We are live here at Samud Freedom Camp in the Palestinian village of Sarura, where the Israeli military has moved in and started to take down our tents and push back on nonviolent protesters. That's how we started the very first episode of Unsettled, way back in 2017. In May of that year, a coalition of Palestinians, Israelis, and Jews from around the world came together in a part of the West Bank called the South Hebron Hills, in Area C, which is under full Israeli control. Samud Freedom Camp was built in and around a cave that used to be a family's home, but was confiscated by the military more than 20 years ago. Here's Unsettled producer Ilana Levinson. In order to build the camp, as well as restore caves, groups of activists hurried to rebuild stone walls. Others began setting up a large tent. The simple act of doing that physical labor together, first digging, digging out rocks, moving them around, setting up a wall, being able to do that, it was like it was a huge equalizer and it was really, it was really humbling. That voice was Tom Corcoran, one of the Americans who traveled to Sarura to be part of this action through the Center for Jewish Nonviolence, or CJNV. As you heard at the top, he was live streaming when the IDF showed up late at night to break up the camp. The word Samud in Arabic means steadfastness. After the raid, the activists did what they could to rebuild the camp. But the next day, it was time for many of them to go home. There was this really like deep feeling that we were just leaving the people that we had worked with and, and built this camp with. And even though that was that was always part of the plan, that like as like the Center for Jewish Nonviolence, we were going to be there for that specific amount of time and then leave. Um, I don't know. I felt, I felt a lot of guilt. And I think that it's our responsibility to bring this message back. But it also felt hard to not be able to still be there and keep the work going. So ever since we released that episode in 2017, I've been wondering, what happened to Sarura after the internationals left? And about a year ago, I got to see for myself. In fact, I spent New Year's Eve in the very same cave. That was only possible because of a group called Youth of Sumud, which was created in the wake of that 2017 action. How they have maintained this cave for almost four years, and the risks that they have taken to do so, that's the subject of this episode. My name is Max Friedman, and this is Unsettled. Samiha Hureni is one of the founders of Youth of Sumud. When we spoke on December 31st, 2019, she was 20 years old, studying English literature at university. The part of the West Bank where Samiha lives, and where Youth of Sumud does most of their work, is called the South Hebron Hills. It's also known as Masafer Yata, in reference to the nearby city of Yata. Over the last couple of decades, a lot of people whose families have roots in this area have had to move to Yata, for jobs and education, but also often because Israeli authorities have confiscated or destroyed their homes and prevented them from building any infrastructure. Many experts say this is part of a broader strategy of packing Palestinians into cities so as to open up more and more of the land of the West Bank for Jewish settlement. As I sat with Samiha on a couple of big rocks near her home village of Twani, all around us there were activists planting olive trees. In the road just below us was a unit of Israeli border police watching. And behind them, perched on the top of a hill, a walled settlement. Here's my conversation with Samiha Hureni. 
So my friend Emily was here a couple of years ago, and she was at the Samud Freedom Camp with CJNB. Yeah. Was that before or after you started Youth of Samud? No. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the of the camp, of the idea of this village, uh, there was a lot of international people, uh, Jewish, uh, uh, fighting for uh, against occupation and violence uh, that were supporting this uh, this idea. Just uh, step by step, the people start to leave and leave. So the people start to be few, and then everyone lived. So the village became alone again. So that mm, here. Youth of Sumud born, that uh, we have to complete what the others was doing and to lead this idea until the end. Since since the they built the camp uh, in Sarura with the cave, so you since and the internationals left, so Youth of Sumud, you had to stay there every night in order to keep it from being torn down. Is that what what did what did you have to do in order to keep it from being? Uh, destroyed. Have, we have to stay there 24 hours. They have to feel that there is a Palestinian people there and we have to back the family again. We have to encourage the family to back again because it's just the one solution that we can protect the village. You have to, inter- to encourage and uh, to make the people interesting to back again. You know it's really difficult to back up a, like a, a people for their own houses or own cave after 20 years. You cannot imagine what's violent that they saw, that they feel, that uh, how much was uh, hard for them to leave their home just they leave it because I'm I'm sure that they saw a very big of violence they was scared about their children life their own life their wife life so they just escape from that because the the, the, the violence that they saw and they live in that village every night and every morning and and as I told you there's no life service no electricity no water nothing also encourage you to stay so there was there was stopped anything that you are going to do to make you strong and stay there they cut the water, they cut the electricity. There is nothing, nothing to make you uh, stay there. So they make you weak and weak and weak. Just go and scare you, scare your children. So the people for sure were scared for their children and for their lives, so they just go. So now it's really difficult to back them again. So after one year of uh, cleaning, uh, restart and... Uh, uh, bring attention and make it bigger and cleaning everything is preparing we decide they came like three or four time in the week and in sleep and preparing their stuff and someone has approached Samiha with news they speak in Arabic for a while remember it's December 31st so we're preparing for the evening things ah, okay. for the evening party and he was asking me to go for the camp now oh, okay so do you need to go now all of us. Oh, okay, we all need to go now. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, uh, they make this area close military and so on, so we cannot do our activity here. Uh, so we have to move. How did you find? How do you find out when they decided to close military zone? It they, just they stops. Call? I don't know. You know, much is yeah. crazy that something you are planning for it like months, and they just come and told you you cannot do that close military. If you will be there, you will be arrested, or you'll be. It's so, so the place where we were going to do the the event, the party tonight, we can't do it there anymore. Is that what he said? Yeah, and we have to go to do it in the camp. You have to go cave, and do it in Sarua. In the cave, instead. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what we're gonna. So we're gonna go to. Sarua yeah, we now. was planning to light that tree, big tree in the Sumud Freedom Garden. That also, it's one of the ideas of Youth of Sumud. Uh-huh. Just uh, to not go, to not work, all of us will be arrested, and we don't want that for uh, anyone. And they will confiscate everything, you will have it here. So we can go there to do it. They will not stop the idea, just they stop us to be here in the place. So just we will celebrate it together in Sarura. Um, So 
So the family that uh, the family that used to lived in Sorora a long time ago, they have not moved back. No, because it was destroyed before we start to work on it. It really was destroying. There was no life, nothing. It was really just uh, caves uh, full of stone and rubbish that the settlers was putting inside to make it dirty, to destroy it, to don't make it able to be life again. The old people uh, that they used to live, the grandfather, mom, in that caves that was they was died. So now their sons and their daughters that living in Yatta that we are encouraging them to come back. So now weekly they came three, four times and uh, they can start to pick their stuff. They started to prepare their caves with their stuff. So it's for us a big succeed. So there are so there are still people from there are still people from youth of Samud who stay there 24 hours a day. Yeah, obviously yeah, later. So some of us is here. Some of them was in the camp. So we cannot leave it like all of us come and focus on this action and leave the caves. No, we have to always be. Uh, some of us have to be there. And at the beginning, all of the young people in youth of Samud they were all from uh, Twani in the villages yeah. around here. Actually, when we start, we start a few people. I was me, my old brother. There was a friends around. Was really few like we're around six seven it's not enough for them they can arrest us in one minute in one jeep even they don't be so tired so uh, we decide also to bigger the idea we have to bigger the group to be more strong because if we still few under this occupation we will be all arrested or will be attacked and we will be in stuck and we will never succeed to create the idea of the youth of Sumud. so um, we started to public the idea around. For example, for me in my university, I speak with everyone who's interested or who's ready actually to be with this part. Uh, if you want to be an activist and he want to resist for Palestine, also my brother do the same, our friend the same. We have now m- numbers of people, like you can see we are around 20. So it's uh, for us, it's not a very big number, just enough number to protect this village and to be enough to going around. Some people stay, some people go to act. And one of the important things that we used to do as a youth of Sumud, that I'm really proud of that. Um, as I told you, we are a human rights defender and we are trying to to help the people that their rights is violated. The important rights is education that is really violated in this place. For example, there is a, a school children that they came from Tuba village that it's after these settlements that you see. It's You see this mound is full of settlements, settlers and violent settlers after them there is another village so they have to pass the settlements every morning and every afternoon to come for the school and to return for their home so they need the help to be protected because they have to come through the settlement in the middle of the settlements they have to be protected from the settlers and because they was attacked many times they was hospitalized many times from the settlers Mm, violent. They, the, chi- the, chi- the, the children. children, yeah, the children of the school, they beat them, they throw them a stone, they with a stick, they follow them with a car to try, to try to drive on them. They are still children, they are really small. So we decide to take this responsibility as a young people, a university student, and all these things that we have to deal with our daily life, with our daily family and with our studying and with the with the camp so the camp start to be our second home that we do everything we do it every day like start to connect it with our life somehow uh, 
okay so can and tell me what happened to your brother Sammy uh, yes it's a sad story as I told you that we are restating the case for the families so we decided to build for them a bathroom at Sorura the same place yeah in the same village so uh, it's a big uh, like dangerous decision to build something in Syria because you are not allowed as a Palestinian to build anything so uh, we start to build this, but we have to do it because no one will come to live in anywhere in the world without a bathroom. So we have to, to encourage them and to build bathroom to, to make their life easily. So we start to build this bathroom. One day, uh, my brother was helping us to to build this bathroom. He was, I told you that Sarura is in the middle of the two illegal settlements and outposts. So the, the settlers used to, to pass through the, this village uh, to connect this uh, together, to go and return. So my, fa- my brother was in the middle of the road and he was helping bringing some stone and some stuff for the uh, to build this bathroom. So there is a two settlers in a quad, four by four, that they was driving. And so they was going to kill him. They keep driving on him. He was really shocked. He don't know what he have to do. He start to run, and uh, he that just they keep following him because they have this uh, quad that can drive on the stone and the bumpy road. So he just while he was running, he fall down, and uh, his right leg was still in the road. So just they drive on his right leg two time. They make for him to crash in his right leg. They like drive on him and they far away and they run away. So we just they drove over his leg and then they and then they went in reverse and they drove back. Yeah, they, yeah. They drive the first time and they go back and drive again. So they make for him to crash in his right legs and then they just drive and they return for the settlements. So we was really shocked from that and we was running for him. And uh, when we came, Sammy was not awake. And uh, when he wake, he was started shouting from pain, and he was really uh, screaming. And we don't know what we have to do because we cannot move him because it's a bones. And he was, he was really shouting from pain, and we cannot do anything. We was like, we was thinking our hands was craft. Like we don't, we don't know what we have to do. For sure, we called the ambulance. Just when directly when they uh, when they uh, like the police, the army know that they do a checkpoint, and so the. The ambulance was late one hour to to come and to reach the... Wait, so the, the ambulance before it even reached you had to go through a checkpoint? They stopped in the entrance of the village of uh, Tuani that's uh, late for that. So it was oh, a so checkpoint. They, they made a flying checkpoint yeah. so they couldn't get, so that the ambulance yeah, couldn't get to you. Yeah, they was late. So, so he was really late to come. It was like one hour he was on the ground and shouting. and So they just came and, t- and they took him for a Hebron uh, hospital. And uh, he he have to wait two days until he do his surgery, and he was he still two weeks in the hospital, and he was at home for two months. He cannot walking until he was like, and after two months he was not really very well walking. When Sammy was attacked, I was thinking that now like the other guys will be scared and they will not keep going in the idea. They will stop in this point. Just was to make me uh, really proud that uh, when the same was went to the hospital, they back and they keep working in the in the bathroom because they say it's the reason why this time he was in the hospital and why he was attacked. So it's our responsibility to complete what he was doing, and he will he will out. He will found the bathroom is already built, and they really do what they will say. And Sammy came back and he found the bathroom was already built. How about, and can you tell me about your younger brother? 
Yeah, Hamoudi. Yeah, he's uh, 15 years old. Uh, he have a bad experience with the occupation army because he was arrested for three time. When he was 13, he was arrested. 14 the same, and 15 the same. Uh, he's uh, trying to be an activist from his children's life, like he wants to be an activist because my father is an active, my grandma is an active, everyone in my family is an active, so he wants to be an activist while he was 15 years old and 14 and 13. Uh, the first time he was arrested, he was arrested in the, in the camp where we work, in the cave where we work and where we live. So he was arrested without his parents for many of hours and he was interrogated in very bad way that it make him scary during the night because he's a child and he cannot understand that you are a policeman and interrogate him for no reason because he's just sitting in a camp with his family and having his dinner it's not doesn't make sense that what make my father call for him a special doctor to speak with him and to deal with him and uh, the second one was 14 years old that he was in an action to to clean a road for the cars, for the people to can reach their own village. He was helping, he was arrested for the second time. It was the same. He was interrogated for many hours. And in 15 years old, a few months ago, he was arrested with my father, with my uncle, in the same time, because they told them that you are trying to enter in the settlements. And uh, when they took him, they let my father and my uncle come back and they, they keep him. And he said it was the worst night in my life because they bring him in a room with another two prisoners, Palestinian prisoner. He said that there was a, a sound of water that is going tick, tick, to make them stress. And he said there was a light that turn off and turn on. To them, like It's just to make you crazy and looking what's going on and scare you. So on the, on the next day, uh, Hamoudi said they bring for us some food. They was keep uh, the handcraft. He was stay until the morning with handicraft. And he told them, okay, I want to eat. Can you free my hand? Can you take it over because I want to eat? And he said, no, for sure, no, it's not my work. You can, if you manage to eat, eat. If you don't manage, it's not my business if you eat or not. So he, he said that I, I was trying to eat with my hand was craft. And uh, then they say, okay, now an hour we have to go for your court. And they say, okay. And then he put, they put him in a car that is for especially for the prisoner. And he said it was really hard because everything's iron. I cannot, like, when they was driving and they have just a small window in the top of the car. And he was saying, Hamoudi, really, he's one of the people that he, he cannot steal without breath for a long time. So he was shouting that he wanted to breathe. So they opened for him a bit of the of these windows and then they go to close it again and he say he they was ri driving really really slow because they know that I was in really bad situation in that car and he said that this is the most thing that I hated that the, the car part when they was driving me for my court and then I found myself in Kalandia uh, like checkpoint they told him you have you don't have any court so go home and after this, they raid my home to arrest him. They raid uh, my home like after three weeks after they arrested him. And I was asking, what are you doing here? Give me the order that you can raid my home and all these things. And he was not answering me anything. He was just looking in the house. And then Hamoudi came when he saw all these things and he stopped him really badly in the wall by his neck with his hand and uh, give me your ID and he started shouting on him and they say stay calm and he's still a child, he don't have ID because he's under 18, he don't have an ID. 
He said, where is your father? My father was uh, around in the village, so he also started to run, and they don't accept that my father can enter. They do my home, a closed military, and so no one can enter. And my father said, it's my home, it's my family, and they, they have to be sure that he's my father. He said, he's my father. And then we just uh, take him inside. They, when they was going out, they told, me, they told him, in April, like, uh, I hope to don't see, it will be better for you to don't see you again. And he say, Hamoudi say, just you are coming for my home. How, like, you are coming for me. I'm not coming for you. What are you doing in my home? And he said, just, you will be lucky if I will not meet you again. So this is my brother's story. It's really, um, I was feeling really sad, all this um, time that I saw that was happening for my family, for my brothers or for my family, my mom, how she feel when her sons or daughters being like this dangerous situation. Just we believe that it's all, all this for the land, for Palestine and we will succeed the idea by the way. Because the idea is idea and it will keep life and no one can kill any idea inside you, no one can stop it. So we believe in that and because we believe in that we will keep going and we will never stop. Even that there was a lot of challenges and make us weak every day. Just don't know that if all the challenges that he puts make us strong because we, we, are, uh, we are trying to end the occupation and I hope that it will happen one day. I spoke to Samiha Hureni on New Year's Eve 2019, exactly one year and one day later, on New Year's Day 2021. Israeli authorities drove into the village of Al-Rakiz, just a short walk from where I sat with Samiha. They entered one family's cave and began to confiscate the generator they used to get a few hours of electricity each day. When neighbors came over to see what was going on, one of them, a 24-year-old man named Harun Abu Aram, was shot point-blank in the neck by an Israeli soldier. He is now reportedly paralyzed from the neck down. The army says the incident is being investigated. As I'm recording this, it's been just over a week since the shooting in Al-Rakiz. Activists from Youth of Sumud and other groups have been holding regular demonstrations. Late Friday night, 48 hours before this episode was scheduled to be released, Sami Hureni, Samiha's brother, was taken from his family's home in the middle of the night by Israeli soldiers. You can keep up to date with Sami's case, as well as the fallout from the shooting of Harun Abu Aram, by following Youth of Sumud and the Center for Jewish Nonviolence on social media. We'll put links in the show notes. Unsettled is produced by Emily Bell, Asaf Calderon, Alana Levinson, and me, Max Friedman. Original music by Nat Rosenzweig. Additional music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Yoshi Fields, who co-produced our original episode, The Story of Samud, back in 2017. And to Oriel Eisner, Emily Hilton, Isaac Cates-Rose, and everyone at the Center for Jewish Nonviolence, who facilitated my trip to the South Hebron Hills last year. If you like Unsettled, please take a moment to leave us a rating, and especially a review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss an episode of Unsettled. <laughs>